0: Uh, Today, uh, we're continuing our series uh, that we began last week, Um, and the the question we started with was was a question some of us have asked, and and many of us have asked at different times in our lives, whether you're sort of just showing up and beginning a journey uh, with God and exploring, or whether you've been walking with God a long time. The question is, how do you hear from God? Can you hear from God? Uh, When we're searching for inspiration or direction or answers in life, most people wonder, like, does God still speak? And can I hear from God personally and specifically and clearly and definitively? You may have heard other people say, you know, God told me or God said this or God spoke to me and you wondered like, how did, how did that happen? Like, was it audible? Like, was there writing in the sky? Like, how does God speak? And last week, I didn't answer those questions. We're gonna get to those, Um, but I didn't answer those questions. I I wanted to start with um, how how and why most of us miss out on hearing from God, why we miss it when God actually speaks. Um, And the reason is that we talked about last week is because typically when we wanna hear from God, it's because we wanna get his attention. And most often he's waiting for us to give him ours. And God doesn't have our attention, and, and we, we, so he can't speak to us. And we, we look at this, this very famous story where we're looking through how to hear from God through the story of Moses... And looking through the lens of Moses' story, particularly the burning bush story, we saw that um, Moses was doing something. He had something he was doing. He had a job. He was headed in a direction. He was tending sheep. And he saw this burning bush. And it was like this phenomenon. This bush is burning, but it's it's not being consumed. And one of the things that's so extraordinary is um, the scripture tells us he turned aside to see what, what was going on. And it's two Hebrew words we talked about last week. One means to leave or depart or set something down and to turn and give your attention to something else. That's what these two words mean. And and when the scripture says that Moses saw the burning bush and he turned aside to see, and then the scripture tells us that when, when God saw that Moses turned aside to see, same phrase, he spoke and before we talk about specifically how God's going to speak to you or how God could speak to you, the direction that God might want to give you in your life or the answers to the questions that you have, Jesus actually identified a second thing, a second problem that, that often keeps us from hearing from God. And he, in, in the New Testament, he's speaking to the religious leaders. And he's talking to people who, get, get this, who know God, claim to know God, and claim to speak on behalf of God. So think, these are, the, these are the people, they don't yet know who Jesus is, but they think, you know, they're the leaders. They're the people that, you know, they have the corner of the market on hearing from and speaking for God. And he says this, whoever belongs to God is, uh, hears what God says. Those are the people, the people that belong to him. And then he says to the religious leaders, he looks at them and he says, the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God, which was incredibly offensive to them. But if you think through it through your lens, it kind of seems offensive and maybe even confusing to you as well, especially if you feel like you're somebody who's had a hard time hearing from God or you've never heard from God because you're going, well, well, what? So I don't belong to God. And, and so it's curious, like, what did, what did he mean by this? The, the religious leaders, they were really upset by this. And this is how they responded. They said, you know, who do you think you are? Like, how can you say that to us? I mean, we don't, we don't know who you claim to be, but you you know who we are. We speak for God. We speak on behalf of God. We know God. They're saying to Jesus, who do you think you are? And he responded. He said, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Which is such an interesting And strange phrase if we don't get the context. So today, in the story of Moses, we come to the place that gives us context for what Jesus was claiming to be. He said, before Abraham, before the people of God, the religious leaders are listening to this going, you know, we're the Jewish people that began with Abraham. They knew their story, began with Abraham, that turned into a family, that turned into a nation. That's how Israel came to be, the Hebrew people. And he said, look, before Abraham, before the people of God, the Hebrew people even existed, I am. Which, which again is something we're gonna camp out on today because the place uh, in, the, in the Old Testament where uh, this this phrase, this name was attributed to God is, comes into our story and it plays into what Jesus says when he says, you know, the people that hear from God are the people that belong to him. It's a strange answer and we're gonna come back to it, but I wanna go back and pick up where we left off last week in the story of Moses. Uh, Moses has turned away. He's given his attention to God and God speaks. He first tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground. Something holy and and intimate's about to happen here. And, And he said this, God said, I am the God of your father. So the God of your family, Moses. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I am the God from the beginning of the Hebrew people. And Moses, he was locked in on the bush initially because of the phenomenon of the bush. But when, when God reveals his identity, Moses, he hides his face. He hid his face, and he was afraid to look at God. And, and this is because he was keenly unaware of his unholiness, of his sin. And this is, this is actually a callback to the Genesis story. You remember when the first humans, when they sin, they cover up and they hide. In, in their shame, Moses is doing the same thing when he recognizes who he's talking to, he covers up and he hides. And then the Lord said to Moses, he doesn't even address the fact that Moses is covering his face. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. The Hebrew people had been led uh, to Egypt. As we talked about last week by Joseph. And and the Pharaoh actually provided for them. But uh, Joseph has died now. And there's nobody to protect the Hebrew people. So the Hebrew people fall into slavery. And the Egyptians are using them. And it's a very heavy burden. And God says, I've heard their cry. I know their sufferings. And let's look at this imagery. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey. This is, this is the imagery. It's, it's actually uh, amazing imagery because this is what Jesus ends up doing. Just side note. He says... I'm, I've come down, and here's the reason I've come down. I've come down to lift my people out of something. Two things specifically. I'm going to lift them out, and I'm going to lead them to a good and broad land. This, is, this is, uh, symbolizes freedom. He, he says speaks specifically to the, the slavery that these people are in. I'm going to lift them up out of slavery, out of, uh, into freedom, and I'm going to deliver them to abundance, this land flowing with milk and honey. I have an abundant life for them. Jesus claims the same thing. I've come down to lift people out of the muck and mire of this world so that they can be free from the things that so easily entrap us in this world and they can live an abundant life in this life and the life to come. God continues, he says, come. I will send you to Pharaoh. Dun, dun, dun. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, I love this. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children uh, out of Egypt? M- Moses, he, he, in contrast to, to who Jesus claimed to be, he says, Who am I? Like, why are you choosing me? God, you, you certainly are missing some details from the story. If you're here last week, you know Moses is a fugitive on the run, and who's he running from? He's running from the Pharaoh. And God says, I'm going to send you back to confront the Pharaoh. And he goes, no, 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 not me. The Pharaoh wants to kill me. You should find somebody else. I have no favor. I did grow up in the palace. I have no favor with the Pharaoh, though. This is not going to go well for me. Who am I that you would send me? And God responds. He says, look, I will be with you, which is curious. He doesn't tell something to Moses about Moses as to why he chose him. He says, look, it's not about you. This is about me. I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. He's basically saying, look, when, when, when the people come out of Egypt, they, they, some of you know the Exodus story, Moses goes back, he confronts the Pharaoh, they come out, they come back to this same place in this same mountain, and God meets them at this mountain. He said, listen, this is gonna be the sign. You come right back here and I will show up and I will meet you and the people of Israel here. Then Moses said to God, but, but here's another objection. If I come to the people of Israel, okay, you got the Pharaoh, but I come to the people of Israel and I say, the God, of the, father, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What do I say to them? I don't even know your name. I mean, this is, again, this, these are more questions. It's like, okay, you got, you're going to take care of the Pharaoh, but what about the Israelites? And one of the things we begin to realize is Moses has these messages, these tapes that are playing over and over in his mind. They're these recorded messages and they're about him and about his life. It goes something like this, like, God, don't you know, I've been away for 40 years and you say, I'm gonna go and, and I'm gonna go that, that you're the God of my family, but I'm not even sure what family I belong to. I'm a Hebrew born, Egyptian raised, son-in-law of a Midianite priest. I mean, which, which family are we talking about here? Like, I don't, I don't know where I belong. And, and not only that, I grew up in a place in, in the palace and was taught to work, worship a pantheon of gods. And they know this. They know I haven't worshipped you my whole life. And they know that I don't know you like they know you. I mean, what am I going to tell them? Who do I tell them has sent me? Don't miss this. I don't want you to miss the humanity in this. Moses is not a character in a movie. He's a man who's bruised and battered from the difficulty of life. And he's lost a sense of himself. This is very common to the human experience. This is like an identity crisis. This is, this, is, this is not Moses going, hey, who am I? And, and it's, it's some sort of humility. That's not what this is. This is insecurity. He's going, look, you're sending me, but I don't know who I am. I, 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 I don't have a sense of why you would send me or that this is even something that I should do. I mean, it's actually, by the way, this is the type of thing that causes all of us maybe at times to ask big questions in life. Maybe this is, this is something that maybe if you're watching online today or you, you came back to church for the first time, this might be why you're here or maybe a question that you have. Like you're trying to figure out because of the things you've experienced in your life, life hasn't gone exactly the way you thought it was gonna go. Like you got to the place in life where you thought you were gonna feel fulfilled and feel successful and, and you're at the top of your game and you're going, and I, it's not what I thought it was gonna be. Or maybe life hasn't turned out at all the way you thought it was going to. Maybe you thought you'd be in a different season of life by now. You'd be experiencing different things, and you're not there. And you've lost this sense of like, I don't know who I am. I don't know how to identify myself. This is maybe not even who I want to be. And and these messages, they're on repeat in Moses' head, just like they are in many of our heads and we get confused because of the circumstances and because of the things we experience, our successes and failures. And it's almost this. This is what Jesus identified. It's almost impossible to hear the voice of God because of all the other tapes and voices and messages going on in your head. And what do you do with that? I mean, isn't it isn't it possible that it, that it, this might be true for many of us, just like it was Moses, that that God is speaking? And God's speaking to Moses in this moment, but the tapes and the messages that are, that are going on in his head make it really difficult for him to hear from God about who he is and, and what he wants him to do. It's, it's sort of overriding and drowning out God's voice. He has, God has his attention. But, but Moses, as God starts speaking, Moses is going, no, no that's not true. Not me. I, I don't know how that could be possible. That's not, I mean, I know you want me to do that. And God's speaking and he's going, could you just be quiet for a minute? And Moses doesn't know how to shut off the tapes and the voices in his mind. And God says to Moses, okay, you want to, you want my name? Here's my name. I am who I am. That's my name. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people. This is what you need to say to the people. Say, I am has sent me to you. Which is like, what kind of name is that? It's not even a name. It's a verb. It's to be. It's literally the verb to be. This is, by the way, incidentally, this is what Je- Jesus claimed. And when Jesus claimed this, right after the story I was telling you earlier at the top, the people tried, to, the, the Pharisees, they tried to stone him, the religious leaders, because they recognized he was claiming to be this God. This, this word, it says uh, in the scriptures, the Hebrew word, ayah, sounds like karate or something like that, but that's not exactly what this is. And, and it's interesting because just let me be a geek for a minute. The, the, the tense of this verb makes it really hard to translate. In fact, there's lots of debate. I mean, it can mean so many different things because it's, it's, it's first person singular, but it's in the imperfective form which the imperfective form can be, it can be present. Hebrew is a strange language. It can be present or it can be future. So it's sort of something like uh, I am who I am or I will be what I will be or I am. And and a a lot of scholars think the best translation is I am being. I am being or I am the being. I am the ideal. I am existence itself. That's what I want you to go tell people. That I am I am the ideal God. I am the God that stands over all other gods. That's who I am. You should go tell him that. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, this is so interesting. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is not a different name. It's like, well, did God change His name? He just said to say, "I I am." Now He's saying, "The Lord." This is great. You're gonna you can you can wow all your friends with this. Uh, Yahweh. You guys are like, I'm not talking to any of my friends. You sound like a nerd. Yahweh, Yahweh is the Hebrew word here. You've heard this this word Yahweh, and throughout your Bible, you're gonna love this. I think. This is translated the Lord, all four caps. Some of you wondered so many times, you've seen this in the Bible where it says the Lord and it's in all caps. It appears over 6,500 times in your Bible. This is the word Yahweh and it means the I am God. It's actually in third person. So it's more like he is or He's him. It's translated the Lord. So incidentally, um, uh, my son, um, Talon, he's 16. Uh, he He's coaching my nine-year-old's soccer game with me, or soccer team with me. And we're good, by the way. I think we're going to win the championship. But by the way, I'm not a bit competitive. The reason we're going to win the championship, though, is because we have a kid on our team named Tim. As a matter of fact, yesterday, he scored this goal from like outside, the, if you're a soccer fan, outside the corner of the box, like the whole, the whole team's in a wall and this is nine-year-old soccer, there's the goalies in the goal and he launches the ball over in the upper left-hand corner, hits the side netting and I'm like, sign him up for the Premier League. This kid is like, he's going somewhere. So we have Tim and, and from time to time, this is really fun. My, my son, uh, my 16-year-old son, uh, not my nine-year-old son, my nine-year-old son plays on the team and he's great too. I mean, no disrespect to all the other kids. Tim is just He's Tim. And so, um, so my two nephews, they come from time to time to coach. So it's awesome because like, we have like a pantheon of coaches that show up and we're all like coaching the team and we're getting them fired up. This one game, we were like close at halftime. It was, it was a close game. And um, I'm trying to fire them up. I, I'm in my element. Like I was made for this. I'm giving them this speech in, in the middle of a halftime. And I'm like, listen, when we get out there in the second half, I wanna start fast. I wanna get out there and I wanna punch him in the mouth. And they all look at me and I'm like, I'm a pastor of a church. It's okay. I don't mean that literally. I just mean it figuratively. Like, let's go out and like, let's take it to him. And, and I looked right at Tim. I was like, come on, we need you. We need you to like get in there. And I kid you not, we start the second half, 30 seconds into the second half, Tim scores a goal. And my nephew, one of my nephews goes, he comes to right me, he goes, he pushes me and he goes, let's go. He's him. And I'm like, no, no, he's Tim. He's Tim. And he's like, no, he's him. I'm like. What are you saying? He's like, Uncle Joel, you're so old. Like, this is the phrase. I'm him. Like, he's him. He's like, that's, he's. So if you're younger and you get that phrase, this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. I'm not joking. This is what he's saying. They, they, this is God saying, Moses, go to them. And when you go to them, you say, listen, this God, he's him. He's, he's the God. He's the being that stands apart and outside of all other beings. Don't miss this. This is so, so powerful. God responds to the very thing Moses and the entire nation of Israel who've lost their identity that they need to hear, not just them, but us too. To the question, who am I? God responds and he says, don't matter. I am. And I've chosen you. And I'm with you. That's all they need to know is that you're with me. The tapes and the messages that are on repeat in Moses' mind, he, he knows where he's been. He knows what he's done. Mo- Moses encounters the ultimate reality of being. He, he The one that, that sort of, it's, it's, it's hard to even imagine that, that sort of he wants to be like and he's drawn toward because he's created the image of, but at the same time, he feels judged by. And it makes sense. So, what does Moses do? He hides his face. He hides his face in shame because of the tapes and the messages that are going around in his head. And this is this is what this is a very natural and normal human experience that to, to experience shame when, when you feel judged by an ideal. In fact, Carl Jung, he's a famous philosopher. He said that every ideal is simultaneously and necessarily a judge. Here's what he means by that, is that when you see the, the thing that's at the pinnacle, the ideal, something that, 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 that is like the ultimate, it both you're both drawn to it, and it judges you at the exact same time. I'm a, I'm a kid of the 80s, so I grew up in the 80s, and, and it was like everybody wants to be like Mike. The problem is, is nobody can be like Mike. Like Mike shows up on the scenes, and he is other than everybody else. And everybody is drawn to want to be like Mike, but at the same time simultaneously judged, and there's this massive gap because nobody could be like Mike. There's no one that could compare. And you've experienced this before. There's somebody in your industry. There's a leader. There's there's an organization. There's a company. And you aspire to be that someday or aspire to be like somebody that's a mentor that you look up to. And at the same time, you're cognizant of how you fall short. And so it's this this ideal that you're called towards, but it also judges you at the same time. Moses created in the image of God made to reflect him, but he knows in profound ways he hasn't reflected this ideal of his God, the one who is him. And the reason is, is because we, like Moses, we reflexively, we we identify ourselves with the activity of our lives, the activity of our lives, meaning the things that we do, and the people that we know, and the places that we go, and, and all the things that are a part of how people perceive us in life, the things that people associate with us, we begin to associate with ourselves. Think about how you introduce yourself. When you're going to introduce yourself, you know, if I were going to introduce myself to somebody I didn't know, I, I would be like, you know, my name's Joel, and um, I'm, I'm married to Jen, and I have four kids, and and we live in Alpharetta, Georgia, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm a pastor at Buckhead Church, and the, the This is like, this is the things that we associate ourselves with. But the truth is, if you really got to know me, that's not who I am. Those are just things I associate with myself. I mean, they're part of my life and they're roles that I play. But if you got to really know me, that's not who I am. But that's how we identify ourselves. And here's why. This is so important. If you get this, you got everything today. Association forges identity. The things you associate yourself with most is how you shape your perception of yourself. While you're shaped by your experiences though, and you're shaped by the people that are around you, you're not defined by those things. I want you to think about this. Some of, some of you, you need to hear this today. Like this is, this is so important. Failing no more makes you a failure then success or then, then then succeeding makes you a success failing no more makes you a failure then succeeding makes you a success they're temporary judgments about temporary outcomes in life but this is what happens isn't this true like when you feel successful in a certain area of life you feel really good about yourself and then and maybe you're at work and then you go home and you realize I'm not, I'm not present at home like I am at work and I'm not doing as well there and I'm not doing great here. And, and, and now you feel really crappy about yourself and, and like the, the things you associate and your performance, that's how we identify ourselves. Our life experiences, the activities around us, they're part of what develop the tapes and the messages that play in our mind. And the truth is, is when we run into the ideal in this life, or even in terms of the God of the universe, we realize that, that we're not measuring up. And we pick up these direct and indirect messages that form a narrative in our mind. And, and what happens is, and we all have this, we all do this. So it's not just you. If you're sitting here going, oh my gosh, how does he know? This is all of us. We hold on to those things. We hold on to those narratives. I I told you a story last week about how we were really clear God was speaking to us to to move to Arizona. And uh, in truth, it wasn't something I wanted to do. But we did it out of obedience, and so we went to to Arizona. When we got there, one of the things I realized really fast was uh, it took me. I told you last week, it took me fifteen years to get to the pinnacle. Like I was, I went from being an intern to the leading to leading one of our largest campuses and the greatest church in, in the world. Like this collection of churches, like I believe it's the greatest church in the church group group of churches in the world. And I'm at the pinnacle, and then I leave there and I go to this other place, and they could care less about the church I was a part of before. They're in crisis, and they're going, okay, you're not their pastor anymore. You're our pastor, and you're, you're a leader here. What are you going to do for us here? And, and here's what's amazing. I, I was blinded to my association with Andy and, and the NPM team here and the fact that he chose me and placed me in a role here. The people in Arizona, they didn't care. And these voices began to turn in my head. And I I realized, and I don't say this in humility, I think this is true. And it it served me well here when I began to mimic Andy's teaching and leadership. You know, I was a different communicator 10 years ago. And I I was a lot more like Andy because if you're gonna copy somebody, he's a good one to copy. I mean, he's like the best one out there. So, but I'm not him. And I realized when I got out there, like I'm just a mediocre version of him. And without him being able to stand next to him, now I'm just mediocre because nobody cares. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'd only been a part of things that went this way in my life, up and to the right, and now we're going down into to the right. When I got there, it slowed down just a little bit. People were like, who's the new guy? And then it just kept going down like that. <laughs> and I'm going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm the right person. And I was paralyzed by a, a label that I had from childhood when I, I, was, I was a mess. I was the middle child, and I would just you know, wore my emotions on my sleeve, I would react and act without thinking. And I got this label one time, my dad blurted out in the middle, it was, Joel, you're so impulsive. And then literally, it was like, it was the joke. It was like over and over and over. And this message is playing in my head as a 40-year-old leading a large church. I'm I'm, I'm paralyzed. By like, I don't want to just act. I don't just want to react. I'm paralyzed about making decisions. And I thought, literally, this isn't going well. And we may not make it out of this. I mean, we, some of you know the story. We ended up making out of it. But like I, in the, at the time, like, I didn't think we were going to make it out. And I thought, if I fail, if they either kick me out because it's like, this guy can't turn us around, or if we have to hang up for sale sign out or close the doors, which happens a lot of times in churches where what had happened before I got to that church happens I, my thought was many days driving the nine miles from the church to my house. So I don't know if I can be okay if that happens to me. And I realized this was about association. It's about where I found my value. It's about why I thought I was there. I was so successful over here. And of course God chose me to be over here. And I remember really keenly one day, after being humbled by these circumstances and the situation, I remember driving home one day. I told you I've never heard the audible voice of God, but this voice came into my head. It was like, listen, I didn't choose you because you're good. I chose you because I'm good. You can't do this apart from me. In fact, apart from me, you can do nothing. But you have value because of who I am. I created you. I have chosen you. The truth is, the Lord, the same God who had chosen and sent Moses is the same God that had chosen and sent me. He's the same God that chooses you and has placed you in the family, in the context, in the circumstances you're in. And you're gonna run into things and you can't do it apart from him. But I think through this story, one of the things we learn is God's wanting to reorder how we see ourselves. When it comes to our identity, it turns out that when it comes to your identity, you can either choose to try to achieve it or you can choose to receive it. When it comes to your identity, I before E, except F for C, Sorry. When you misspell things, everybody notices and then they, they text you. So like, I just got to get it right. I do it often. So when it comes to your identity, you can either choose to achieve it or you can choose to receive it. You can work hard to try to make something. And by the way, this is the trap many, if not most people fall into in our world, making a name for ourselves, building our own brand. You know, being a success story, like these are the things we're told to inspire to it's like I, I gotta I gotta make something of myself and and the bait for this trap is the world's definition of success and significance it's It's association with image or wealth or status or power like that's that's what we want to associate ourselves with, because those are the things that that our world and our culture says are valuable. And and I believe God is reorienting how Moses identifies and sees himself through reassociation, which by the way, I'll just say was easier for Moses because he doesn't feel like a success. He doesn't feel like he's got everything going on. But when God speaks to Moses, it's so interesting. He doesn't begin with Moses's faults and failures. That's what we'd expect, isn't it? If you're coming back to church, you're coming to church for the first time or you've been behaving badly recently, when you come to God, you expect him to upfront wanna deal with you about those things, but that is not what God does. Moses is a murderer. He's a fugitive. He was unwilling to face up and take responsibility for what he had done, and he's on the run, and God doesn't associate that with him nor does he associate Moses with the palace or the royal family or the pharaoh. Like it would have been so easy for Moses to go, oh, I see why you chose me. You're smart. I grew up with a pharaoh. Like I have, I have an inn. I know people in the palace. That's not why God chose Moses. When Moses said, who am I? He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, you know your heritage. You've been in the royal palace. When he says, who am I? God says, it's not about you. I am. I have power and dominion over all things. I am your God. You were created in my image and I have a specific purpose for you in life. I have something I want you to do. I have a goal for you. Now, here, here's something that's important. I, I skipped over this a minute ago. The, the truth is, is, is you have to understand this. I am God in the, in, the, in the context of the pantheon of gods that are out there. Moses grew up in this palace with this pantheon of gods. And the pantheon of gods that surrounded Moses and the palace and even the people of Egypt are what caused them to lose their identity. They forgot who they were connected to. They forgot who their God was. And so they began to associate themselves with all these other smaller gods in their world, these things that they could get value from. Literally, they're one of the gods. Like, for example, in this pantheon of gods, all these gods had names, and their name meant what they, were, what they had power over, dominion over. There was, again, there was, they were a polytheistic culture. And, and one of the gods, you can't make this up, one of the goddesses, his name was Isis. Guess what the goddess of Isis had power and dominion over? Women and children. True story. So th- this, this isn't new. This is, this is just recycled in our world. But but this is God when He comes in, he says, Look, I am your God, and I am the I am God, and I have power and authority, dominion over everything, and I choose you. I choose you. He chooses you. And he has purpose for you. We're gonna talk next week about how to hear God, hear from God about the purpose he has. So hard to make sense of of circumstances in life sometimes. We don't know why God prevents certain things and permits other things. We're gonna talk about it next week. And how do you find purpose in those things and the purpose that God has ahead of you? But two questions before we leave today. When it comes to your identity, first question What tapes are on repeat in your head? What are the messages that are playing over and over in your mind? Are they healthy? Do they build you up or do they tear you down? Are they from a trusted source? Are they true? Is it possible that they might be crowding out the voice of God and the messages he's trying to get to you about who you are and what he wants for you and how he wants to lead you? What would it look like to replace these messages and these tapes that are on repeat in your mind and replace them for you to disassociate from those things? and to reassociate with new messages from the I am God who's saying, I choose you, I wanna be near you. I don't care about all the things that are in your past. I'm gonna send my son to die for those things so that I'm I'm gonna send him, he's gonna come down and I'm gonna lift you up to free you from those things. You see it? To free you from those things so that I can lead you towards an abundant life. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that you serve. The second question is, so are, are you trying to achieve Or are you willing to receive who you really are? When it comes to your self-identity, are you trying to achieve it? would you be willing to humble yourself and receive it to know that you're a child of God, that you've been chosen by him? What are you associating yourself with the most? Come on, what is it? Really? What are the tapes and the messages that are playing in your mind? What achievements, what sense of self-image or worth, what level of status, what title, what possession or possessions do you tend to associate with yourself most that you draw value and worth from? Here's what I want to tell you. Why I want to tell you it's so dangerous holding on to something other than God and his purpose and his messages for you, that what he has for you as he's come down to lift you up and to to lead you towards his purpose and his freedom and his abundance is because I want you to think, what would happen if those things you associate yourself with most, what would happen if those things were lost? What if that person walked out of your life What if that thing was destroyed? What if that job was taken away? What if you no longer had that status or that image? What if you no longer were the person that stood up in front of everybody? Leader of the pack, influencer in the community. Then what? See, our identity is in the thing that we associate with the most. And I remember after I had walked away from everything that I'd worked for over here and went to this over here, I remember, I remember the pain of going, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I'm supposed to be. God, why did you bring me? To, did you bring me to shut this thing down? Like to, to let it crumble and you're gonna let me be in the middle of it? Thank you so much for calling me to this. And I remember one day, again, Never heard the audible voice of God, but a voice came in my moment as I, in my mind as I was being really honest. Remember God said, you can either choose to focus on obedience or outcomes. And I'll work on the one you don't. If you're gonna try to manipulate the outcomes and make it look good so you can look good, I'm gonna work on your obedience. If you just choose to be obedient, I assure you, I am way better at the outcomes than you are. Will you trust me? The reason you're here is because I chose you. The reason where you are where you are is because he chose you. And he's placed you. And he has purpose and he has meaning. And he's speaking and he wants to help you make sense of it and he wants to lead you in a direction. I want to go back to what Jesus said, look, whoever whoever belongs to God Is that what you associate yourself with the most? I belong to God. That's that's where I find my value. That's where I find my worth. Though those who belong to God, they hear what God says. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, whoever follows me, finds their identity in me, they belong to the I am God, the ideal, the God of all gods, the one who has power and dominion over all things. You were created in his image. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And next time, we're gonna discover how to hear from God about that very thing. Let me pray for you. God, I pray for somebody who's here today and they know in their mind as we've been talking together, you've been speaking. It wasn't my voice. Something came to mind for them about something they've placed too much of their hope, too much of their identity, associated themselves with too much. I pray today that you would come down in the midst of this and you would lift them up away from that thing and give them freedom, freedom from that message, freedom from those tapes that are playing over and over in their mind that you would lead them in freedom to the abundant life that you have ahead of them in this life and in the life to come. That's your promise. That's your stated uh, goal that you said that you were gonna do, the thing you were gonna do for us. Was to come down and lift us out and lead us to better. I pray you do that for somebody today. You know how to do that, I can't do that. So do what only you can do and help us to follow you and trust you in courage. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.